meeting of the Alameda Recreation and Park Commission meeting. Could I have the roll call, please? Commissioner Radies. Present. Commissioner Bernie. Here. Commissioner Robbins. Here. Vice Chair Swartz. Here. Vice, or pardon me, Chair Alexander. Here, thank you. Our first item on the agenda is public comment on non-agenda items. Anyone may speak for three minutes regarding any matter not on the agenda. Commissioners will not respond to your comments. And I'd like to read a letter. The city welcomes speakers providing public comment, but please be advised this is a limited public forum. As such, speakers must stay on topic if speaking to a particular agenda item and if speaking during the non-agenda public comment, they must address the matters within the subject matter jurisdiction of the city. If speakers fail to follow these rules, they will be warned, and if they continue to disregard the rules, their opportunity to speak will be ended. Thank you. Okay, do we have anyone that would like to speak on a non-agenda item tonight? Nobody has submitted a slip. Anyone on Zoom? Raise your Ch hand. Chair Alexander, no one has submitted a slip. Okay, and there's no one on Zoom? No one on Zoom. All right, so that non-agenda public comment has ended. Next item is staff communications. We have a report from Recreation Director Justin Long. Uh, good evening, Chair and Commissioner members. Uh, I'm here to give you a pretty extensive update on things that we have going on. So uh, we have an excited uh, spring and summer season coming, so we'll just get to it. Um, so we have two members of the Elks ARPD hoop shoot that continued on to the 12 and 13 year old division as well as the eight and nine year old division. Um, so we're very pleased that they were able to, to uh, make their way up to the six qualifiers. Um, we have upcoming events starting with tomorrow night. We have our family snowball dance. We already have all the slots are currently filled. Uh, there's over a hundred um, uh, groups signed up for that. So we're expecting between 200 and 250 people at the event. So I'm excited for that. Uh, you can still go online and get on our wait list should there be no shows. So uh, that is still available. It'll be at the O Club tomorrow night from 6 p.m. till 8.30 p.m. Um, the ARPD summer program registration begins February 20th. So please watch your uh, mailers, but also go online if you want to be some of the first to beat the, the rush to register for our summer programs. Uh, and that again is going to go live on February 20th. Uh, President's Week break camps at Lidecker, uh, their STEM classes, the Alameda Point Gym for sports, and Lincoln Park uh, Rec Care. Uh, please check our availability for those camps because they are filling up. Um, the Alameda Spring Shindig is Saturday, April 20th at the Alameda Point Gym and Field. Um, and so we're excited for uh, that. It, there's an Earth Day theme to the event this year. Um, we're also excited to announce the 56th Annual Sandcastle and Sculpture that will be Saturday, June 1st at the Robert Crown Memorial State Beach. Uh, going into some of our our programs, our Tiny Tots program is uh, or has 90 preschoolers already registered. There's the spring registration for new students will begin on March 28th. Our We Play program, which is a caregiver child group uh, play group, uh, has been consistent in participation and uh, we have uh, 
uh, almost, I think, almost 100 families signed up for that. So that has been going very well. Our wrap after school program, um, uh, kindergarten through fifth grade, uh, has been pretty successful uh, this year with Bayport, Franklin, Lidecker, Tillman, and Washington. Um, and this is in addition to the after school program that, that are being offered through AUSD. So we've, we've stayed with a consistent um, sign up shit and part, participation for that program still. Um, so we're happy for that. that. People can choose between three and five days, but again, please check our website for availability. Different locations have slots, some are full, so please check there for availability. Um, our teen and tweens program, the Underground Teen Center, uh, has been averaging over 30 kids a day at that program, so that we consider that very successful. The teens of the Alameda Youth uh, Committee and Teen Advisory Board in the Free Alameda Library uh, and Collaborative held uh, a summit uh, to collaborate on teen-focused events throughout the year. Um, the group also, the AYC group, also assisted with assembling all the corsages for the snowball dance tomorrow, so a big shout out to them for their help. Um, for sports, Adult Softball League will begin in April. The co-eds and men, men and women's leagues will be beginning, so please check out our website again to sign up. Um, Aquatics is offering a series of private and group lessons, uh, both at Emma Hood and at Ensenal uh, Swim Center, uh, especially classes like Aquatots and Zumba. Uh, and then we're also having the Snowman Family Pool Party uh, that'll be held on February 24th at the Ensenal Swim Center, uh, which still has space. This is a free event, so please come on down. So you can sign up on our website and come take a polar plunge pool is heated, so <laughs> only so, so chilly, um, but please come out and enjoy that. Uh, we have tennis classes that will begin uh, in March for both adults and youth. Uh, our sports fields will be officially open. Uh, they've been closed from November until February 5th. However, I want to let everyone know that with a recent storm event, that the fields still remain closed until they dry out enough so that the usage won't damage them. Uh, because they're very susceptible when they're very saturated right now. That was the first page. <laughs> um, so let's see here. I want to let you guys know some of the challenging uh, or challenges that we have coming up. We have many jobs posted on our website. So please, please uh, get the word out. We have hundreds of positions available. So you know whatever you guys can do to get the word out. But all those jobs are live on the city's website and on ARPD's website. Um, we're very, also very happy that the storm did not have a major impact on the park system here. And I give a big shout out to park staff who were busy this week cleaning up small debris and getting a, a lot of the pathways and, and playgrounds cleared of branches and small things. But we did not have a severe amount of tree downs or large branches or anything like that, even though we had a pretty high wind event. Um, staff have done a lot of work over the last couple of years in getting trees pruned and assessed to really help address that. And so this was a really good result in showing that. So we're very pleased. However, there was a little bit of damage that was done to the Ensenal um, boat launch, the dock there, as well as the, the Grand Street um, boat ramp as well. Um, the Ensenal damage was relatively minor and is staff are under the process now of getting that repaired. The Grand Street is gonna take a little bit more analysis because of a concrete uh, abunkment that had suffered some damage. So um, we're working on those to make those safe and open to the public. 
Um, let's see here. Uh, Mastic Senior Center on January 24th, uh, 45 Mastic members took a day trip to the De Young Museum in San Francisco uh, and saw the uh, fashioning of San Francisco art exhibit. Um, the Mastic Center served over 1,038 lunches through the month of January. Uh, they sent out over 281 birthday cards to the Mastic members and celebrated all of the January birthdays, uh, which are usually celebrated with cake, trivia, and prizes. So a lot of the members get out and it's a great social event for seniors. Over 200 grocery bags were distributed in partnership with the Mercy Brown Bag Program. The Mastic uh, Organic Garden harvested and distributed over 55 bags of fresh produce. Um, and then over 1,000 community members visited and made purchases at the Mastic Thrift Shop for the month of January. Uh, if anyone ever wants to go thrifting, this is a very good location to do so. So I actually popped in there Saturday after, the, after an event. So um, also we have the Mastic uh, Senior Center uh, Facilities AARP Tax Program currently underway. So please make an appointment. To do so, you can call 510-747-7501. So far, there's, always, there's already been over 187 uh, appointments made. Uh, there's a case management specialist at Mastic, which has provided service to over 26 members for the month of January, which assisted with food and housing insecurities, medical appointments, and other community resources. The therapeutic recreation, uh, the leisure group met on January 25th to celebrate the Chinese New Year at Lincoln Park's Harrison Center with a mm -hmm. dinner, trivia, and games that had over 30 participants. Um, in, on February 9th, the Night to Shine prom dinner and dance held in Pleasanton um, with Tim Tebow Foundation is coming up. And also on Sunday, February 11th, we're gonna be hosting a Super Bowl pizza party at the Mastic Senior Center for the leisure and therapeutics group. The Leisure Club will be there. And then for parks, the Lincoln Park Rose Garden Renovation Irrigation Project is almost complete, so hopefully that'll be open and ready to go soon. Um, we, we got a great new piece of equipment to help support the Parks Department, and so staff were busy getting training on that and certified for operating. This will help us plant trees and do field maintenance and other types of work, so staff are getting ready for summer. Um, the staff have been working on painting and uh, refreshing park name signs. Um, there was also, in, in, um, we also anticipate currently that the McKinley Playground will start construction in early March and completing shortly before the end of the month. So we'll be excited to finally open that playground back up. So with that, I will take a deep breath. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but, but, but things are going on in the park, so it's about to get into our busy season. So uh, please check out the events that are out there and sign up early. Uh, slots fill up quickly, and we're excited for another summer program. Thank you very much, Director Long. Does anybody have any questions? No? Okay, I would thank you very much for your report, and I would encourage any youth to go out there and apply to ARPD. I was a member of ARPD too many years ago to count, but it was my favorite job ever. So if you love the outdoors and like working with kids, please go sign up. All right, next item on the agenda is Commissioner Communications. Commissioner Bernie, would you like to start tonight? I sure will. I don't have anything necessarily park-related tonight, but it is park-related in this sense. In a few weeks' time, you will probably be hearing about 
a solar eclipse that will be occurring on April 8th, I, be I believe. And it is a very, if you ever have a chance to see a solar eclipse, I would recommend you do so. But I mean that a total solar eclipse. From here, you will be able to see a partial eclipse, which is an amazing astronomical event. It is very good to see a partial one. But a total one is a life-changing experience, and they are really, really rare. It's a chance when you see the, the skies grow dark, the animals think that it's night, people start acting crazy, and you, actually, you can actually see the moon's shadow move towards you. Unfortunately, you can't see it from California. You have to see it in the middle of the country. I'm saying this because there is still time to travel to, the, to prepare or arrange travel arrangements to go to the middle of the country to see this solar eclipse. But again, you can see it partially from here and you can take advantage of the Alameda Park system in order to view such an event. But I'm giving you a notice now that if you'd like to see a total solar eclipse to start making preparations to do so. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Commissioner Rabies. Sure, thank you. So as, a, as an Alameda baseball parent, I'm looking forward to spending a lot of time out at Rittler Park uh, in the next several months and just want to wish uh, other Alameda's family well, other Alameda families well in their spring sports seasons. Uh, the second is seasonally with, uh, with the rains hopefully abating a bit in this wet season. It's a great time to head out and participate in either uh, a shoreline or a creek cleanup. So if you have that opportunity, a great opportunity to make sure that waste uh, doesn't get out to the bay. Uh, and lastly, I, I recently had the opportunity to be on the ferry passing uh, the future site of DePave Park and was able to take it in from that vantage point. So very much looking forward to tonight's agenda item on that subject. Thank you. Great, thank you. Commissioner Robbins. Thank you. Um, my mother-in-law was here for the month of January and got to play cards at the Mastic Senior Center on several occasions and I for three years have been trying to get her there and she finally went and now she can't wait in June to come back and she wants to play again. She's excited. So I was, I was happy even though I'm not able to get in there <laughs> because they have amazing sewing machines for anybody in the audience. Um, it's a great place to go to on Wednesdays to get use of industrial type sewing machines. It's, a, it's an amazing center. It has so much to offer in, in so many different areas. Um, the, I was able to visit Lincoln Park to play pickleball and Washington Park to play tennis. And I pass by Washington Park now four times a day. Uh, six in the morning, eight in the morning, about 3.30 in the afternoon and six in the afternoon. And I am just blown away with this crappy weather, how amazing the park system has taken care of that. Uh, Lidecker, which I also went to, and to um, Lincoln. So hats off to the entire staff for all the hard work you've done throughout this whole thing. It's, it's just been fantastic to see uh, the work that you're, you're doing. I'm looking forward to the June 1st Sandcastle event. Uh, I was uh, able to be a part of it uh, two years ago and, and drank at it last year. And it is really a fun event for families and for a lot of adults. Um, it, it's, it's just a lot of, a lot of fun. Um, Club Underground. 
Uh, of those 30-ish students, I'm very happy to say that uh, almost a majority of them are from our school because we heavily have promoted it. And our kids have nothing but praise to say about the staff and the way you run the club underground. So thank you again, staff, for all the hard work that you put in uh, with that. And that is all I have for this month. Great, thank you. Vice Chair Schwartz. Uh, as I will probably say every month, I went to Cruzy. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I would say I feel like I've seen a lot more tennis players at Cruzy over the last couple of months, um, especially on the weekends. So that's been really good to see. Um, I even a couple couple weeks weekends ago, I went on a Saturday and I think it was 52 out at nine o'clock in the morning, and there were people on every court. Um, so that that was very cool to see. Um, definitely feel like I'm seeing more people on those tennis courts than I have kind of in the past year and a half. For sure. Um, also took the took the trek down to Lincoln one of the days. Uh, just all the kids love that playground. Um, it's very unique. Uh, it's my son's hit or miss getting on the playground at Cruzy. He is always on the playground when we take him to Lincoln. Um, so just really impressed with it. it definitely newer, I can tell. Uh, so very cool playground. Um, so looking forward to to hopefully getting some more playgrounds upgraded in the next couple years, um, like like the one at Lincoln. Uh, and then I also saw the ongoing irrigation project for the roses, so really cool to see that. Um, here, that's getting wrapped up. Um, also, yeah, for, I wanted to talk about the recent storm events. Um, I think the, on Sunday, I only left the house to go to the gym at Harbor Bay and go to the grocery store. Um, and I was very surprised to see, I mean, just kind of throughout Alameda, there weren't a lot of trees down, especially compared to some of the wind events last year. So I uh, wanted to give props to the, you know, the, the parks for you know, making sure, doing all the cleanup from last year, making sure the trees are healthy, because um, it, it, it looked, everything looked great. Didn't look like we had a huge wind event other than some leaves and some, you know, some minor branches. Um, and then I did just want to give a shout out to the lifeguards. Um, I was a lifeguard uh, throughout high school um, in San Diego, so all outdoor pools. Um, it can be really rough sitting on the pool deck when there's one lap swimmer in and it's raining sideways uh, or when it's raining and you have a bunch of kids in the pool playing water polo. Um, so really appreciate you being out there so I can swim with masters, our kids can get in because uh, it's definitely not the fun time of year to, to be a lifeguard sitting on the pool deck. So appreciate you. Um, that's all I got. Thank you. Great, thank you. And I second that shout out to the lifeguards. They've been at some of the events and they are just wonderful, wonderful, led by Stacy. Um, I wanna give a shout out to Matt Nolan and his staff for taking care of the parks every day of the year, whether it's raining or not. Um, I go by Franklin Park quite a lot. I go by Cruzy a lot. And when the maintenance crews out there, I try to stop and say hello and introduce myself. So I encourage you to do that if you're at one of the parks to stop by and introduce yourself to them. Um, I was able to attend the public meeting on DePave Park. I see some of the same people that were at that meeting sitting in front of me tonight. Um, there was not a large group there, but the people that were there were very well informed. They've done their homework. Um, they've helped staff create a wonderful presentation that you'll see tonight. So I wanna thank all of them and thank you for being here again tonight. Um, I've been to Mastic Center quite a lot lately. Um, I've been cleaning out a home and have lots of treasures that I've taken down to Mastic. And yes, it is a treasure trove. 
um, you can find just about anything you might look for, from clothes to an old picture frame, something you remember from your youth, a toy. So just go browse one day. And staff down there is fabulous, and they are all volunteer. Um, and I know that the Thrift Center brings in a lot of money for Mastic during the year, so it is really a great place to think about taking your oldies but goodies that someone else might need. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to go to the drumming festival on Saturday, but I heard it was a great success. Um, and I just want to give a shout out again to uh, Morris McKay and Ed Callis down at the Mastic Center. I've gone down there to check with them about once a month and talk about programs and see what we can do to help them. So it's just nice to go down and introduce yourself to them once in a while. And that's all I have for tonight. All right, the next item on the agenda, 5A, is to approve the minutes of the January 11, 2024 Recreation and Park Commission regular meeting. Can I have a motion to approve those minutes? I, I give a motion to approve. Thank you. Can I have a second? Happy to second. Thank you. Can we have a roll call vote, please? Commissioner Bernie. Approve. Commissioner Robbins. Approved. Commissioner Ray Dees. Approved. Vice Chair Swartz. Approved. Chair Alexander. I approve. The minutes of the January 11th, 24, 2024 meeting have been approved. All right, on to our regular agenda items tonight. The first item is, excuse me, first item is to make a recommendation to approve the DPAVE Park Master Plan. We'll have a report from a uh, presentation from Director Long, and then we can ask clarifying questions from Director Long, and then we'll have public comment, and then we'll have a discussion with the commissioners, and then we'll make a motion to recommend. So, Director Long? Good evening, Chair Welcome. and uh, Commissioners. Uh, as stated, we're here presenting uh, DPAVE Park. This is our uh, final master plan for the park after uh, extensive community engagement process. So we're excited to bring a, a final plan for you. And then uh, we'll go over sort of next steps of uh, what'll happen as we uh, move forward. So as you can see, you know, we've brought this before uh, previously to you with three different design options. Um, this is sort of the background of where we started everywhere from 2014 with the Alameda Point precise plan, which identified this location for this park um, in that plan. And then it really kicked off in 2020 with doing the vision plan and then uh, getting a grant in uh, 2022 that'll allow us to do the design process and also the master plan to get us to a 30% drawing set, which will then kick us off for being able to get permitting, but also uh, raise funds and do this all through uh, raising grant money. So here's a, an example. We've, we did on-site meetings. Uh, we've had a series of, uh, I think it's like five on-site meetings. We have had different tours. We've had drop-ins at the site. Um, and again, we just completed the last in-person community uh, meeting uh, again on January 20th uh, and to get feedback on the final design from the uh, pr presentation to city council in November. Um, 
We invited many groups. Uh, we've coordinated with everyone from county groups, uh, uh, the Alameda Point Collaborative, open to the public virtual meetings. We had surveys. Uh, we've been working with the, the regulatory agencies that are referred to as BRIT, which have been helping guide us through the design process. So that will help us when we get to permitting. We presented to you uh, and then to council. And council made a big decision in November. And as you'll see in the next uh, uh, slides, uh, what the impacts of those were as we were able to refine our design option down to one option moving forward. So we'll give a little bit of uh, the results of the community engagement. You know, we heard from everyone wanting, you know, everything from nature play to spaces and programs for all ages, picnic areas. Um, people wanted to have access to the water, um, you know, uh, really having a nice walking area, but also a, a creating a big environment for uh, basically, you know, the um, establishment of new species using the space, but also serving as a almost display park for how cities are going to have to face sea level rise by inviting the water into this developed location and being able to adapt to it over the years. So here's the, from the precise plan in 2014 that identified the deep paved park location here in the center uh, in dark green, as well as identifying the other areas on Alameda Point and their prescribed uses. On the top part of the slide is a regional park called the Northwest Territory that we're in partnership with East Bay Park Districts to develop. Uh, that will then also be right above where the, there's a large nature preserve that is going to be there for the federally protected least turn colony. So again, our site adjacent to this is expansion of the wildlife habitat. Uh, here's a bird's eye view again from Seaplane Lagoon looking to the west to sort of identify your location. There's the new ferry terminal to the south or east technically, but the bottom part of the slide. Uh, to your right, you have the Seaplane Lagoon Promenade, our phase one that has been developed. That large rectangle just slightly above it uh, represents the continuation of that promenade. And then at the far end, you see the location of Deep Haved Park with the city in the background and the Veteran Affairs wetlands there. There's also the historic district that is there with all the, uh, the old hangars from the military base. Uh, and then in the far distance, you'll see where there's the site that there will be a future VA hospital and columbarium. Here again is just another uh, identifying location of the property, and it identifies the two major physical hurdles to this project, which are Building 29 and Building 25. And as I spoke earlier about uh, council making a big decision, they voted to recommend the removal of both structures, both building 29 and 25, which maximizes the overall habitat and wetlands that will be created on this site. Uh, here's a slide that shows the general existing conditions. Uh, even though it is just a paved open space, this, this area is still heavily used by pedestrians, fishermen, uh, people are riding their bikes out there. Um, so there's a, a, already a large user group that are already using this space, even though it's not currently in a park-like condition. Um, here's a bird's eye view again of Seaplane Lagoon Park and sort of the type of environment that is generated there and the types of species that we'll be using as well. Um, but this park is a tiered park that is based right on the edge of the lagoon. And as that is tiered, it is serving as the sea level rise barrier. So it's a park, a levee in design is a park. 
So this will continue all the way around Seaplane Lagoon as it continues out to Deepave Park, and it will continue along protecting the rest of the buildings out on the base eventually. Again, this gives you a, an overview of the site, but it also identifies how our site will connect to the adjacent wetlands, but also serve as a jumping off point for the Bay Area Trail, which will have a seasonal trail that will go all the way around the outside of the, the base in the protected uh, natural area uh, for the least turns seasonally, because we will, it'll only be open when the uh, reproduction uh, processes or time frame is over. So here is the overview of Deepave Park, and I'm going to introduce our consultant, Kevin Conger, with CMG. He will walk you through the design and the design details, and we'll start from there. Kevin. Great. Thank you. Welcome. Nice to see you again. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm a little, <clears throat> a little raspy uh, getting over a cold, so. Um, yeah, so the transformation of Deepave Park from 20 acres of pavement to something that is about um, creating habitat and an ecologically resilient park. Um, there have been some changes since we showed it to you last time because we did not know if Building 25 was in or out. So now with Building 25 being um, removed, it has given us a chance to um, expand and relocate a little bit the Discovery Play area, which you can kind of see there with all the logs and stuff and boulders in it. We, the parking was kind of right there where that is shown right now. So with the building removed, we moved the parking. It's actually off screen to the bottom right of the screen, but I think you'll see it in a plan coming up. There's 72, 76 parking spaces uh, on, utilizing existing paving. So that's part of the good news. We don't have to put in new paving to create the parking, which increases the sustainability. You see right in the lower right foreground where it says Depave Park, that's a trellis structure and there's a large group community picnic area under there and barbecue underneath that trellis structure. So we have that one location with some um, shelter from the sun and the wind. Um, moving up the screen a little bit, you see those terraces that step down to the expanded beach. There's already a, a little sandy beach right in the corner right there. So we're broadening that beach. Those terraces are made out of big concrete slabs that are being cut and harvested from the existing paving out of Deepave and stacked up to reuse. Um, and just to zoom in a little bit. It's, a, it's actually a really straightforward design process to create the park. There's a bunch of cool stuff that's in the pavement, these steel rails that are all over the place. And so it's a little bit like archeology. span What we've done is gone out there and surveyed where all the interesting bits are and, and kept those. So this drawing shows the saw cutting and removing of all the other stuff, but maintaining the stuff that has the most interest in it. So pretty much all of the pathways in the large part of the park are reusing existing paving so we don't have to build new paving and, and have the carbon footprint of that. So we're gonna take all that old paving out, we'll have a crusher on site, it'll crush it up, put it underneath the future levee, um, which is shown in pink right here. So we'll reuse and recycle all that um, concrete material as fill on site and then we do the grading and um, basically invite in the water and have an intertidal park with habitat around it. All the soil that gets cut out to create the wetlands get piled up to create the levee, so we're intending on have a, having a balanced cut and fill so we don't have to haul soil off to somewhere else nor truck soil in, again, increasing the sustainability. <clears throat> um, this drawing shows 
some of the many things to do out there. So um, there's a pathway, obviously, that runs all the way out to the end that's mixed use for pedestrians and bikes. There's a whole bunch of different seating elements. I think there's 50-ish benches in the park, plus a whole bunch of these um, repurposed concrete slabs for more sculptural seating elements. There's the discovery play area. There's a handful of small picnic areas, two big group picnic areas. There's about four interpretive areas where we're going to have signage that tells the story of the history of the place and what's going on with the ecology and sea level rise resilience and what's happening with sea level rise and climate change, et cetera. Um, so um, there's going to be a lot of different things for people to do and for people to come and see out there. This shows the pedestrian circulation, so you'll be able to go all the way out to the end and back, as well as some of these loop paths. Um, and you also see going off to the top of the screen where that levee, that, that one blue line that goes up with the arrow off to the right, is um, part of the levee that will eventually go where that arrow is pointing and run all the way down behind the hangar buildings to protect all of those buildings. And so that pathway will continue on that levee when that levee gets built in the future. And in the meantime, that will be the sort of jumping off point to hook onto the um, seasonal bay trail. And there'll be a multi-use trail for bikes out and back, as well as uh, along the levee. We need to also provide vehicle access on the top of the levee. So by having that slightly wider um, pathway, it'll allow for bikes to utilize that as well. <clears throat> the materials are, um, as much as possible, natural or recycled concrete and things that are out there. So where we have new paving, it's um, stabilized crushed stone or decomposed granite, you might think of it, but it's more of a natural material, much more sustainable than um, paving materials. The furnishings for picnic tables and benches and stuff will be um, timber. Um, so we're trying to keep everything like pretty low key, pretty natural, all in the spirit of a, a park that is about creating nature and creating public access to nature. I'm gonna back up two slides and show you one more thing because there is a fence. Uh, <clears throat> do I have a pointer on this guy? Yeah, I do. You, it, I wanna show the fence. You see this blue dashed line that's running along here? So there is a low fence. It's a three foot high wire mesh fence. It's pretty transparent. It's on that side of the path and it's also on this side of the path. And it's basically to keep people and dogs out of the habitat areas because um, the, the dogs are running around, they're chasing the birds and the birds won't show up. So there are two low fences that, um, that protect the habitat areas and there's been some questions about this before. So, and they look like this. So they're not a tall chain link fence or anything. They are you know, kind of a low key wood post steel mesh um, fence. Now with sea level rise, um, the good news is it just gets better because the intertidal areas expand and those are the areas that have the most habitat value. So this upper diagram shows the current conditions. The darker blue is uh, high tide and the lighter blue is king tide, so that's the very high tide. At low tide, there won't be any water in the park, so these are the intertidal zones. With one and a half feet of sea level rise, which you see in the bottom slide, the intertidal area gets bigger. You see that the mean high, high water, the darker blue expands, and the lighter blue gets quite big. Those are king tides. They come at you know seven times a year or so. A lot of that water is coming in from the other side, from the VA side of things. Um, and then with three and a half feet of sea level rise, which is the top, which, which at the medium high curve is 2070, and the OPC just in the last couple of weeks released some new guidance that has actually dropped it a little bit, so it might even be um, longer than this. 
you can see that the pathways start to flood at king tides um, with three and a half feet of sea level rise. So there's still access for most of the year, but seven times a year or so, there's going to be inconvenience and the pathway is going to flood. And this is going to be about the time where we have to have some plans in place for the adaptation for the long term to, to uh, maintain public access uh, out to the park. And the idea is to, and that's shown in the bottom slide, that's showing seven feet of sea level rise, so you can see it mean high, high water, the whole park is being flooded. The idea is to use that concrete that we're preserving for the pathway as a gigantic foundation, mat slab foundation, and to build a wooden boardwalk that goes out to the end. And we're just showing it as a long, narrow thing, but of course it could be widened to take advantage of some of the other paving areas out there and have more public gathering spaces and stuff. But it's, you know, it's 50 years or more out for the planning of that, so no need to uh, figure out all those details quite yet. Um, <clears throat> these are the different types of habitats that will be created. The, the, the salt marsh is the intertidal habitat. Adjacent to that is the upland um, area or coastal scrub, it's also called. There's a gravel beach um, right along the edge of Seaplane Lagoon where we're removing the uh, rip. This is the existing riprap here and here. We're removing that through the central area to lay the beach back more um, gradually to create a gravel beach, which has um, good habitat for certain types of birds. And there's a rocky intertidal area down here at this corner where we're pushing back the shoreline to allow more water to come in. So we have all these different types of uh, habitat areas. And um, the reason we're doing that is for these guys, our stakeholders. These are all the species that are um, out there now. And the, the two bigger pictures at the bottom are VIPs, the least turn and the Blue heron, so, you know, and then there's also some um, subtitle habitats, which you see on the lower right, the herring and salmon and the Dungeness crab. And so all of this is about trying to um, maximize the habitat value for these species and also have that for the enjoyment of folks. Um, <clears throat> this is showing the site next to the adjacent VA habitat areas. And this is showing um, an overlay of those um, VA wetlands with some improvements that the VA has planned and DPA Park. So you could really start to see how, you know, although these are two properties, it all blends together as one ecological patch. And that's really the whole idea that this whole thing works as a, like, frankly, a park that's going to be for the species that are out there, like five times bigger than, you know, the project that we're working on. Um, and this is what some of those intertidal. Um, Landscapes look like on the upper slide is the um, intertidal salt marsh and then the coastal uplands that's surrounding it and, you know, the example of some of the native plants that are, that are in those um, ecotypes. <clears throat> and then just a couple of blow-ups that start to call out more specifically some of the areas, the nature play area, the picnic areas, the terrace, <coughs> the beach. There, it's, of course, all universally accessible. We actually don't have ramps anywhere. That's just all sloped walkways so that people of all levels of accessibility can um, get around easily and the materials are all really durable and there's no um, you know, steep drop-offs that are going to create any dangers or hazards or anything. So um, keeping an eye on safety and durability. Here's a view of one of the interpretive overlooks looking out um, down the long promenade. The um, blow up of the middle where we have to break through the promenade to allow the um, marsh channel to come in. There'll be a bridge that goes over that part. And you can see how the promenade gets a little wider here and pops out in a few places. So we have areas for people to pull out 
and sit or stand or take a rest and you know enjoy the views. You start to see there, it says seating slabs right there in the middle. So these are some examples of the bigger concrete pieces that we're going to cut in place in there. So there's these kind of sculptural places for people to sit as well, as I said before, like a whole bunch of benches and things that will be um, along the path. Here's a view of that um, bridge going over the marsh. And then down at the end, what we call the learning lab, is where there's really some of the cool steel um, pieces. And again, a lot of these sculptural seating slabs and just um, expansive places for people to gather and great places for kids to come down and have school groups and you know um, all that kind of stuff. There's fishing access down here at the uh, at the end <coughs> and a view of that learning lab zone and then another view looking back across the um, inner the tidal um, garden area, tidepool area. And then I think just one last view looking back out over the whole thing. So, um, and I love this quote, which came from our community during the vision plan, a place for people to experience the natural world and transition. And I believe that's forward to your input questions. Thank you very much. Does anybody have a question before we have public comment? Yeah, I have a couple. Okay. Uh, uh, first silly one. Uh, so is the official park name Depave Park or is there <laughs> going to be, uh, it's going to have a different name when it's built? I, right now Depave is the placeholder okay. name and we'll go through the official park naming process okay. and follow our, our citywide policy on that. Perfect. Um, what What's the timeline for the future phases of the Seaplane Lagoon Promenade? Um, Seaplane Lagoon Promenade is developer-driven. Right. And so as those projects come forward, th those segments will be built. Uh, I believe the next one is slated for some time in the next three to five years. But again, it depends on the development. Got it. Yep. And then uh, last one is in, and I know we talked about this, uh, was that in October. What's, what's the timeline for start of construction and then completion for deep cave park all right as uh, of now yeah as of now we are we are still more than you know five to seven years out and this really depends on uh the type of grants that we can get in order to put this project together uh the whole intent of this project is to seek grants that are out there for this type of work in order to build this so that it's built with grant money and not particularly as much with city money Perfect. so again it's going to take us some time to do that so um, that's that's kind of our long-term plan right now. Perfect. Thank you. Yep. Anyone else? Uh, uh, Commissioner Bernie. So what happens in the meantime as this project is being built? Because people do use this area right now to walk, to ride their bikes, and this project will be done in phases. So what happens to those people in the meantime as it's being built? Will, those, will the area just be blocked off? Will they still be able to use parts of it? Or will the entire area be blocked off? Commissioner Bernie, uh, right now we are too far out to determine whether phasing will be feasible mm -hmm. or as to whether or not uh, the whole project will have to be happening at the same time. So once we get to that point, we'll be able to figure that out. But from now until construction starts, the site will remain as is, mm -hmm. and that people will still be able to go out and access the property. Uh, the buildings that are there will remain. Uh, they will remain until the very last point where we will get to a point where we will start construction. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that is many years away at this point. Um, but when that happens, chances are the place will be closed to the public during the construction and then we'll reopen once that is done. Okay, and 
is, I think the number of parking spots are is 76, is that right? That is correct. Is that enough parking? Well, right now, with what we're anticipating for the use of, of people driving to this facility, mm -hmm. uh, we've estimated that it will be uh, comparable for that, that usage. We're really focusing, as this is along the Bay Trail, that this is going to be a heavily pedestrian traffic visited park, mm -hmm. but there's also ample parking that is along Monarch Street and on the base as well that will serve as overflow for this park as well. And it is the boardwalk wide enough for both pedestrians and cyclists? Yes, right now, as I believe it is shown as over a 24 foot wide path. And when we brought it in front of uh, uh, BCDC and uh, looked at the different regulatory agencies around the design and with Bay Trail that they're actually excited that this is going to be wide enough and really had very little comment on it around that mixed usage because we provided such a wide space for it. And as it relates to the demolition of the buildings, is there any concern about any pollution that can occur once they're demolished in terms of any chemicals that might be left over that might be created once they're demolished? Um, the, the buildings are not anticipated to produce any type of chemical aspects, but the uh, project team is currently having tests done on all the existing concrete material, doing core drillings to determine what is on the site. The military did do a cleanup, and we have very detailed test results of what they did mm -hmm. to remedy it, but we're also doing our due diligence now in order to acquire as much information as we can about all the other types of chemicals that may not have been tested at the time, and so we're in that process mm -hmm. right now. The buildings were less concerned on because mm -hmm. of the dates and when they were constructed, and so I'm actually hoping that when those buildings are demolished that said contractor will do as much recycling as they possibly can because of the metal structures in that building. If you've ever seen the doors on building 25 open, it's actually an amazing sight to watch mm -hmm. uh, because of the height of that structure. And my last question relates to the fence. Are we sure that is going to be high enough to keep people? I know it'll keep dogs out, but will it keep people out? in terms of making sure that they don't go into an area that they're not supposed to go into? Well, I think the, the best result that we can do is through community education around providing that access and limiting that. Um, these fences aren't right up along the pathways. They are set back a little bit. Mm -hmm. So people will have to trudge through wetlands to get to okay. it. That, that, so again, we're trying to really balance it out to, mm -hmm. to limit the access, but also reduce that visual impairment that currently is there. There is a relatively high chain link fence there that surrounds the, mm -hmm. the existing site now that we're looking at removing. We've met with the VA and talked about the fence and fencing type that we will have a fence on our property and then they will have a fence on theirs and we're hoping that along that property line it'll be similar to the one that we've described. So there'll be two layers of threshold in order to get to the VA wetlands or to VA property, hopefully as a good deterrent to try to keep people out okay. of that. And will this, will this park have visiting hours or the 24 seven? Um, the park will follow normal park hours, which is dusk till dawn. Okay. All right, that's it. Thank Excellent you. question. Anyone else? Commissioner Robbins, no?
Commissioner Reagan. I have a question. I, I continue as I was in October to be uh, impressed by the vision and the ambition of this project. It strikes me that it, it's uh, a bit complementary to the existing portfolio of park facilities in the city. And I'm curious um, what, particularly from a maintenance perspective, what uh, unique demands this, this park might present from a maintenance standpoint and how you're thinking about uh, addressing those. Yes, uh, thank you very much for the question, Commissioner Reddy's. Um, it will present a different change to the maintenance complement because this is not an environment that our staff are regularly used to taking care of. Um, that being said, the more active spaces in the park, which will have more standardized park maintenance, like trash, cleaning, things like that, all will be part of the typical complement. Um, but we're also working with Alameda Point Collaborative to develop a stewardship program and work program to try to figure out providing additional resources for specialized uh, maintenance of that. It it's a very different type where you have to do much more hands-on going out into those environments. And you know, hopefully once it gets established over the course of the first two years, that maintenance necessity will drop significantly and will be more turned into a, an active stewardship, making sure there's no invasives in it, and then going through and making sure if there's any, if there is any trash, unfortunately, that we would have a methodology of being able to clean that up. Um, um, even if it involves volunteers and other staff, that would be you know, a good project. But it is a very different environment from the type of maintenance that our, our staff normally do. Great, thank you. It sounds exciting. Well, most of my questions were answered at the community meeting, but one just came to me now. Do we have any timeline for when the veterans plan to do any work there? <laughs> so, I don't know. you guys have an update from the veterans wetlands? Right now, we are, we've been in a pretty good conversation with them. There's been a little bit of a delay with sort of the federal plans about the development out there on that site. I think um, as they're looking at the site and they're finding you know, sort of the soil condition and the things studies they have to do, they've kind of hit the pause button and trying to figure out the proper timeline for taking care of that. I do believe that the wetlands project is much further in development than uh, the columbarium and the development of the rest of that facility. But the adjacent one is probably gonna be more in a timeline of ours. If, if not, the work will probably occur before ours does because they have their funding lined up and we do not. Great, thank you. Um, any more questions? I have one more. Okay, Commissioner Bernie. This is more related to the airstrip. Is, is any work going to be done on that, or, this, or will the airstrip just be given back to nature in terms of just left alone? Um, currently, from the plans that we've seen from the VA, that the airstrips are going to be left as is. They could do no work out there with the least turn mm -hmm. colony anyway. Um, and the 2014 precise plan identified it all as a nature preserve anyway. And so it'll remain in that condition um, unless the population of least turns decides to leave us, which we hope it doesn't. Okay, thank you. Do we have any public comment tonight? Chair Alexander, we have one speaker slip. Okay. Speaker Powell. Speaker Powell, welcome. How are Thank you? you. Um, commissioners, my name is Marjorie Powell. I am an Alameda resident. I am a member of the Golden Gate Bird Alliance and serve on their local advisory conservation committee, Friends of the Alameda Wildlife Refuge. And I think you can tell by our name that we've had a focus on the Alameda Point area. But I wanted to start by saying how much I appreciate 
all of the work that the members of this commission, the commission staff, and a number of other people within the Alameda city government have put into this park. I know it's a unique park among all of the Alameda parks. It's a particular a place that's particularly, um, that I particularly appreciate because I have learned about the California lease terms that nest out there, but I have also seen probably 150 different species of birds out in that area, walking along what will become Deepay Park, as well as the rest of Seaplane Lagoon. Um, while my focus and Golden Gate Bird Alliance's focus has been on the birds, I think it's also important to remember that there is other wildlife that is out there that the park will get to emphasize, like everything that is gonna be in the tidal pools. Um, I was particularly excited to see the whale that spent a little bit of time a few years ago in Seaplane Lagoon. And I know that um, people have taken pictures of lots of other um, marine life out there. Um, there's a lot of seasonal variability out there in the birds that come, and I think the design of this park will increase that. I walked today from the viewing, the first viewing platform at Elsie Romer, uh, East Bay Regional Park, down along the city property going toward the second viewing platform. I couldn't get there because I wasn't prepared to walk through about that much water in the, the dirt path that is back there. But um, people have actually seen a rail there in the last couple of days. And I don't know that there have been rails at Elsie Romer, at least in the 10 years I've been looking at birds there. Uh, I do wanna make one comment, which is the concern about dogs. The dogs, if, even if they're on leash, are always allowed off leash. The last time I was at Hayward Shoreline, I was actually almost knocked over by a dog almost as high as my waist, off leash, who was totally out of control, and his handlers made no effort to restrain him. So I think I'd like to urge you to consider, or perhaps the park district as this gets developed, having a no dog policy out at that end of the park. Thank you very thank much. Thank you very much, Ms. Powell, and thank you for the comments, thanking everyone, because yes, everyone has worked very hard. So I really appreciate that, thank you. Do you have any other public comments tonight? No more public comments. Thank you, Chair Alexander. No, all right, so the public comment on this is closed. Now it's time for the discussions of the commissioners decide if we're going to make a motion to recommend this. Commissioner Robbins? Um, <clears throat> first off, I wanna really congratulate our city council and council members. Um, this is a very bold and brave move to remove the buildings. Um, as I stated before, 76% of our um, waterfronts have disappeared in the Bay Area, and the fact that we are gonna be one of the few cities that's giving back, I think is fantastic. Um, this last weekend, I uh, uh, attended a Port of San Francisco, City of San Francisco uh, 
dissertation on waterfronts uh, and what they're going to be doing in the city and um, what we have planned here and with the plans from your firm um, far outshine what I've seen that's been presented even with the city of San Francisco. So hats off to our department and the uh, firm that you're working with. And I am gonna hit you up next fall for my students when we go on our bird watching trips, by the way. <laughs> um, I, I really, to the three new members, um, uh, Chairperson Alexander knows very well that I'm into shade areas in all of our <laughs> parks because there are a lot of older people and we need shade areas. So I'm, and I know that we can't have it out on the point itself, it, it would be an obstruction, but uh, hats off to having such a large structure uh, for picnic. Um, I think that's fantastic. The beach area is fantastic. Uh, and as a big proponent and, and um, lover of the stakeholders that are out there, Elsie Rummer, Bird Sanctuary, and the Crab Cove, this will be a beautiful extension for our city to bring additional uh, safe haven for the birds uh, as they live here and more importantly I think for the birds to migrate because we literally are on one of North America's biggest migration pathways, Alameda itself and the, and the Bay in the United States. And what we're gonna be doing is strengthening the ability for future generations to be able to have birds come here. So I'm, I'm just really, really excited with the council's decision and I um, just want to say I'm in full support of this. Uh, and I also talked to one of the two wineries. I went out there to do some due diligence and the winery, although was not happy with the idea of having to move, they fully understood the impact to nature and said that, you know, for the overall good, they, uh, not necessarily are excited, but are amenable to working with the city to move forward with this. Because I wanted to get an idea from, from the people that are out there, so I went out to, to visit, visit them. So uh, the fact that we even had, I had positive feedback from them also made it that much more meaningful to me that we are making the right decision. Thank you, Commissioner Robbins. I just wanna piggyback off that. Um, one of my main concerns has been the occupants of those buildings. Um, I know that the city has been working diligently with all the occupants trying to find space. I've talked to uh, Director Long about that several times. So um, I appreciate the fact that the city made that decision, but they are really trying to work with occupants in that building. And we, you know, this is five to seven years down the road, so we don't have to do it tomorrow, but I'm really glad the city is putting that as a priority. Any other comments, Commissioner, uh, Vice Chair? Um, I just want to echo this. This design is incredible. Um, I'm super impressed by it. Um, I think as I've talked about, like I walk my dog up and down Shoreline um, and have been more recently doing the Bay Trail um, in Harbor Bay. And um, I love just walking on the water. And this is just another great, I mean, will be even more mind blowing than any of those trails. but. Very excited um, for this. is absolutely incredible. Um, did want to comment on um, 
kind of the the dog comment from from Miss Powell because um, as I think I mentioned before, I have a dog reactive dog. Um, I will say uh, I am. I have very few issues, thankfully, in the city of Alameda of people having dogs off leash. Um, uh, and, and the ones that I have had uh, have at least had their dogs fairly well under control. Um, but I, I do agree, you know, I think it's something that it's hard for the parks to enforce. So it's something that, you know, the public needs to do. And I would just, you just say out to the public, you know, if you see a dog off leash, just make a nice comment, you know, please put your dog on a leash. Um, I think that's just the, the best thing we can do. Um, I'm all for allowing dogs at parks, but you know, I'm also understand the flip side of my dog's fine walking on a leash, but if a non-leash dog comes up to her, I don't necessarily always know how she's gonna react. I walk dogs at the animal shelter too, same thing, even worse, because I don't know the temperament of those dogs most of the time. Um, so I'll just use this as also a, a you know, public comment to say to the public, you know, please keep your dogs on a leash. And also, it also impacts you know some of the wildlife in the area as well. But overall, I, I again is super supportive of this. Um, you know, I did listen to the city council meeting, and I think they echoed a lot of our concerns around just the, the tenants there um, and, and finding them a place. But with a fairly long timeline, I think it's pretty reasonable. Um, and I know they've been working very closely with them, so very excited for this. Thank you, Vice Chair. Anyone else? Commissioner Bernie. I would just like to say. Uh, that I think this is an amazing plan. I've been in Alameda a short time, but I love history and I love learning about whatever area that I'm living in. So when I moved to Alameda, I did, I learned that Alameda was once a peninsula, but it was also mostly marshland. So when I drive around often, especially in the part that was, that where the marshland was destroyed, I often wonder what it would look like if it was still marshland and to give people an opportunity to see what was, what was once before, I think is an amazing thing. It's just one thing that we just have to consider is that this will be new in terms of how we maintain it, how we keep it clean, how we keep it as what, it, what will be a new facility. And again, as what was talked about with Mrs. Powell's comments about dogs, I don't have any dogs, I have cats. <laughs> but but I'm also originally from Detroit, Michigan, and in that part of the country, well, at least in Detroit, most most people have their dogs on a leash because you don't know how the dog is going to react once they're out in an environment. And I do understand that we want to take it upon ourselves to ask people to put their dogs on a leash. But again, where I'm from, that can often lead to situations that people want to avoid. So, but again, that is something that we will have to do because I don't know how you'll be able to enforce, at least from a steady standpoint, while putting in the resources, people making sure that their dogs stay on a leash. But I think, as we've once discussed, through good communication, good examples that, people will do their best to keep their, to keep their dogs on a leash. But overall, I do think that this is an amazing plan. I think it, is, it will be beneficial for not only this, the citizens of Alameda, but people within the Bay Area in and of itself. So I'm very proud that, that we, we as a community have been able to come to this point in this park's timeline. Thank you. I have to say, um, Commissioner Robbins and I have seen this proposal four or five times, maybe. Yes. 
in the last several years, so we know that things don't happen overnight. And as exciting it is to know that this is coming, it's still five to seven years down the road, so we have a lot of time to work out the kinks that may be in there. Um, and usually I don't do this, but um, I would like to make the motion to recommend to council that we approve this DPA Park Master Plan. I'll second that motion. Thank you. Could we have a roll call vote, please? Commissioner Radies? Yes. Commissioner Bernie? Approved. Commissioner Robbins? Yes. Vice Chair Swartz? Yes. Chair Alexander? Yes. The motion has been approved to recommend the approval of the BPA Park Master Plan. Thank you for everyone who's here tonight and for all of your comments and those of you that attended the public meetings. I appreciate that. All right, the next item on our agenda is our next meeting for March 14th, 2024. Do we have some possible agenda items? Yes, so we'll be bringing the, um, the county transportation plan for seniors to the uh, commission to be heard. Uh, we're probably going to bring uh, the estuary parks uh, final design and uh, there may, we're, we're tentatively trying to see if we can bring the ADA transition plan for the city, which also identifies um, parks and the process and phasing for that transition plan uh, over many years into the future as we uh, make renovations and bring our park system in, but also all city facilities up to um, code. Okay, thank you. Does anybody have anything else they'd like to add to this agenda or a future agenda? I just want to reiterate the Arts Council, if, if we could get them on a future agenda, that would be great. For sure. Anything else? Uh, just Will we get an update?